Biden officials call out Joe Rogan over vaccine comments. Did Joe Rogan become a medical doctor while we weren't looking? Well, no, no, he didn't, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, he's a comedian. He's a podcaster. He's a UFC commentator. And I don't think that he was going out there giving advice to everyone. It's not like people are listening to his show for medical advice. It's not Dr. Oz or fucking daytime television. Now, my stance, and why I think this headline is hilarious, is, well, wait a second. When did Bill Gates become a fucking doctor? I, I don't know. I've been seeing Bill Gates all over fucking television. This fucking the whole last year of my life has been like Bill Gates being like, I think we can do vaccines in this way. And maybe we can go about it that way. And maybe we can do this thing and this thing. And maybe we're going to have vaccine passports because that's going to be a cool thing. And I just disagree with all of Welcome to the Superhero Academy podcast. I'm your host, Archangelo. Hello, superheroes. Mark Angelo Capulli here, and welcome to the Superhero Academy podcast, where my mission is simple. I'm here to help you become a better storyteller. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't yet know my intro, so I'm going to read the rest of it, okay? But here's, here's the thing. For real, whether you're an entrepreneur, creative, or influencer, this show is designed to help mentor you around the nuances of storytelling because I'm still learning mine, identify and capitalize on the trends to grow your presence and not suffer from the 21st century plight of the digital cricket. Ooh, I can hear them shuddering in the background where your mom is commenting on your Instagram post. And of course, introduce you to incredible superheroes so you can create waves with your, on, uh, with your own stories and brand online. That's not a wave sound, but uh, we'll go with it. It's a passing of the torch. At uh, end of the day, I'm a geeky attention broker looking to teach while making you laugh and share my take on the headlines and developments of this crazy, crazy world. Now, text me at the number down below or DM me at Marcangelo Capola on Instagram or whatever other platform you choose. You know where to find the links, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, in this episode, we're going to dive into three fabulous topics. The first is, uh, well, Joe Rogan's controversy on the vaccine conversation. I, I'm, I'm not even going to say what, I'm, what I think about it just yet. We're going to dive into it in a little bit. The second topic we're going to talk about is earnings season. Now, that's for you non-geeky trading type or investor type people. I'm talking about, you know, money and earnings of companies like Q1, Q2, that kind of stuff. We're going to be talking about earnings season, how to trade it. And then uh, part three is going to be talking about the real clubhouse. So last episode, I ripped a little bit on clubhouse. You know, the app, the social app that you've heard about. Maybe, maybe you've heard about it. Maybe if you had Android, you haven't heard shit about it. But if you've heard about it, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, well, not really that clubhouse. We'll talk about social media as a little bit, but we'll transition into what I think the real life clubhouse is going to be. So uh, you can find the time codes down below. And with that said, Let's just jump into it. So, which is which is such a steal, by the way. Just the, the, the let's jump into it. That is like a direct steal from Philip DeFranco on YouTube. I, I feel like I'm just like learning from all these people that I watch online. And I mean, I don't know. Is it stealing? Is it is it taking like a little piece of it? I'm, I'm just, you know, it's a shout out to Philip DeFranco. That's the way I see it. It's life, man. I mean, we get taught from as early as we can to talk, to walk. Someone made it up. Now yeah. we're all doing that, right? So. Exactly. I mean, look, we're, we're obviously impacted by the content that we're consuming. And clearly, this week, people have been impacted by the things that Joe Rogan said. 
Now, I personally think that Joe Rogan was significantly more funny when he was, like, freaking out about all the things around uh, what was going down at UFC 261, I believe it was, to UFC 261. He was just in it, and uh, and he had some, one of those memes where he's like, <gasps> like one of those. Uh, I, I think that that's the funniest thing Joe Rogan did this week, but apparently not. Apparently, Joe Rogan got in some hot water uh, when he made remarks about vaccination and younger people. Now, I first saw this as a headline on Vice. So I'll bring up that Vice article that I saw that I, I thought was like kind of ridiculous and I scoffed at it when I first saw it. But it said, stop telling people not to get vaccinated, Joe Rogan. And I was like, I know Rogan. I listen to his podcast. I like know he didn't tell people to not get vaccinated. But apparently, apparently he said something like that. Now, I'm going to read you the word-by-word quote um, where do I find that? Oh, here it is. If you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I'll go, no, Rogan said, adding if you're a healthy person and you're ex- exercising all the time and you, you're young and you're eating well, I don't think you need to worry about, about this. I think that that's pretty reasonable to say, but obviously the headlines are here and everyone was coordinating an attack. It's almost like, Anything that comes out about the vaccines is just like, bam, we're, we're going after you. We're going after you. And the media has just got this, like, hit list that's going down. And I don't know. Did you guys see this clip of, like, did you hear the story of the CNN reporter? It was a story of a CNN reporter who was basically going out on, like, I believe Tinder dates or something of the equivalent. And he was, like, telling his Tinder dates what CNN was using to kind of create headlines and keep people paying attention and they were talking about coronavirus and like all like showing the death count and all the things and all the things like that how they're going to lead with climate change if it, if it bleeds it leads like that whole thing I mean I kind of feel like behind the scenes there's just a a like there's someone some entity some group of people that are going after like the exact same headline every single time now some people like me are jumping on the trend of the headline and talking about it, and I have something to say. I have an opinion, of course. But it seems like the, the kind of the mainstream media has a coordinated way of going after specific topics when it's going against the mainstream narrative, when it's going against maybe what the White House wants you to think, believe, and follow, and do whatever. And, and I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just kind of creepy. It feels like Big Brother-like. Uh, do you feel that way? Do you ever feel that way? Like everyone's like in all the news is all coordinated? Oh my god, all the time! Like I, I feel like at least in my generation, I get the news from my phone. I don't, I don't have cable. I don't watch the news. It's depressing seeing it. I, I'm a very positive person. I like to look at out of all the negative things going on in the world, which which there is a lot. Yeah, there's as much positive if you look for it, but it's harder to find. It's definitely harder to find. I mean, it, it it's harder to find because at the end of the day the negative news gets more clicks. Like, that's just part of it, right? 100%. It, it's just, that's how it works. And, and so, negative news gets more clicks. Obviously, people are going to go, like, oh, my God, Joe Rogan stopped, told people to not get vaccinated. Oh, my God, let's go after him. And so, they did. Anthony Fauci starts going, laying into him. Oh, no, no, this is not cool. A bunch of people start tweeting some stuff. They, you know, they show up, and everyone's asking questions. And, you know, they're calling him out. But I find this headline specifically from Business Insider absolutely hilarious. Biden officials call out Joe Rogan over vaccine comments. Did Joe Rogan become a medical doctor while we weren't looking? Well, no, no, he didn't, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, he's a comedian. 
He's a podcaster. He's a UFC commentator. And I don't think that he was going out there giving advice to everyone. It's not like people are listening to his show for medical advice. It's not Dr. Oz or fucking daytime television. He's not Dr. Phil either. And he's not pretending to be any of these people. He's in mid-conversation. He's doing what? Multiple podcasts a week that are three hours long. Of course, coronavirus is going to come up as a topic. And every once in a while, he's going to say something. Now, he mentioned that his kids got it and they were totally fine. Now, his kids are younger. And obviously, it's very anecdotal evidence Clearly, people who are young can also die, and clearly people who are old can also die. But here's the truth. Most people are dying, have pre-existing conditions, are obese, and having other challenges in their health. Now, does that mean that that's not serious? Well, no. It, it means that we're kind of, we have a lot of sick people already with pre-existing conditions, and obviously these people, you know, need some form of way of being healthier or, you know, having defense against this virus. I get it. I understand why people want to get vaccinated. By all means, go get the vaccine if you want. Now, my stance and why I think this headline is hilarious, is, well, wait a second. When did Bill Gates become a fucking doctor? I, I don't know. I've been seeing Bill Gates all over fucking television. This fucking the whole last year of my life has been like Bill Gates being like, I think we can do vaccines in this way, and maybe we can go about it that way, and maybe we can do this thing and this thing, and maybe we're going to have vaccine passports because that's going to be a cool thing. And I just disagree with all of it. I disagree with the fact that we are listening to, what, a fucking tech geek? Because he, you know, I understand he's done a ton of research. I understand he's done a lot of work against polio and, and, and whatever. There's lots of controversy online. There's all kinds of conspiracy theories around every d direction of this. I'm not going to entertain any of those things. I, I don't, I'm not here to dictate that. All I'm here to say is he's not a fucking doctor and you're putting him on fucking broadcast television across fucking national news. You're bringing him on every show, show after show after show and getting his opinion. And nobody told, it's not like Rogan went on TV and said, this is my opinion and this is what you should do. He was just basically putting forth his opinion on a fucking comedy podcast. Now, he wasn't making a joke about it. I will say that. He wasn't, he was saying what he thought, what he believes. And I, and I don't think he should back down from it. And I love, 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 that in all these tweets, there was like, all these crazy tweet storms. Oh, hey, Spotify, you give the platform to Joe Rogan, someone who is actively using his podcast to tell people not to take the coronavirus vaccine. You profit from his deadly propaganda, and you could continue to spread it. Shame on you for bringing your own Alex Jones. Oh, fucking, are you fucking serious right now? So Joe Rogan says, I think if you're young, you maybe don't, and you're healthy, maybe you don't you really need to worry about it. That's propaganda that makes him on Alex Jones level the frogs are gay shit is happening tinfoil hat all that stuff right oh, the second he says his opinion on what's going on and you you step out of line as the perfectly the, you know roped off line where you get in the line and get your vaccine in your arm the second you get out of that line the second you might just maybe have some questions or maybe you think like oh, I don't know I don't think it's that serious for everyone the second you even consider that thing people start tweeting hey Hey, Spotify, right now you're complicit in continuing the harm of this pandemic, and we all know it. It's time for you to do something about Joe Rogan. People who take health advice from Joe Rogan deserve whatever happens to them. I fucking like that tweet. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck is going on? Like, how could we possibly be holding somebody like Joe Rogan accountable for the things that he says in his, in his podcast around the virus when he's not telling you what to do. He's not impeding your rights or your freedoms. In fact, I think what his message is to some degree is, hey, make a decision for yourself. Like, my body, my choice. 
all you liberals out there, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. Well, what about my body, my choice? And I'm not a liberal, I'm not a conservative, I'm not an independent, I'm not, I'm not whatever the fuck label you want to put me on me. I'm none of those things, right? I'm just somebody who critically looks at shit and decides for myself what I want to do with my life. Maybe like you could do, maybe like you do, right? Maybe you do that. Maybe you decide what you want to do with your life. Seems wise. Seems like a pretty power thing. I mean, I, I, most entrepreneurs figure that out. Most freelancers are trying to decide what they want to do. Most creatives, influencers. I mean, aren't we all trying to decide what we want to do with our lives and make our own decisions from a place of information? Now, I don't think anything he said was misinformed. He wasn't like quoting some uninformed stat. He wasn't retweeting things that were super conspiratorial. He was just giving his fucking opinion. Is it a fucking crime to give your opinion? And is it, does it deserve burning at the stake like a witch? You know? Joe Rogan is Alex Jones at a better agent? What? No. Come on. And if anything, fucking, he's crushing it. He's doing so good. This guy has done so much to support the health and well-being of people. It, there's, Joe Rogan has saved more lives than anything he might have said about the coronavirus would have fucking destroyed. 100%. And I think that there's a huge amount of people that are younger that don't really want the vaccine. I think we're, we're very health conscious. We're, we're, we're in a different kind of mentality and we don't feel that scared. And I think that's vindicated and justified that they don't have to be that scared. Now, is that true for everyone? You know, I've been hearing a lot um, the concept of if you don't get vaccinated, you're selfish. Oof. Okay, let's, let's unpack that one, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't get vaccinated, you're selfish. Well, here's the thing. If you got vaccinated and you think I'm selfish if I don't want to, and I'm not even saying I don't want to, I'm just going to say I want the choice. That's what I want, right? I believe people should have a choice. And I do not believe that we should be forced to be vaccinated, and I do not believe that we should have vaccine passports. That's my stance. Now, somebody not wanting to get vaccinated based on whatever they read, whatever information they have, whatever feeling they have, is their choice. I believe we should stand for that. Is that selfish? I don't think so. Because if you got vaccinated and your vaccine works and everyone else got vaccinated that wanted a vaccine, then what are you worried about? What are you scared about that somehow we're going to continue spreading this virus? What are you worried about? If you have the vaccine, it works, right? Like, have you, can you, could you consider that a little bit of logic? Just like consider a little bit of a different stance here. Now, this might be unpopular. I don't think it's that unpopular for the people who are listening to this podcast, but it might be. You might hate me. You might hit that unsubscribe button. But here's the thing. You love it. Hit that like button because uh, it helps the algorithms, the YouTube algorithms, the Instagram algorithms, all those things. You know, I'm trying to grow a show here. Anyway, back to it. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> for real though, I mean, we... I, I truly believe that it's not selfish if the vaccine works for you and you got the, the vaccine. And again, that's doing that from a position where everyone now has access. In America, everyone can show up and get the vaccine if they want it at this moment. Now, going out without a mask too early when nobody, not everyone has access to it or, you know, in Canada, for example, at this moment, we have not yet rolled it out to everyone. I understand being cautious. I understand social distancing. I even understand masks. Again, I, I'm not trying to, pick a stance here, okay? I understand being cautious. I understand being mindful. But calling somebody selfish for making a health choice for themselves is not selfish. 
in my personal opinion. And in fact, what's selfish is the fact that you're trying to impose your beliefs onto other people like me or like anyone. That is selfish. That is the definition of selfish, where you're thinking about yourself and what you believe and you're painting it upon me. See, I'm not sitting here and painting upon my beliefs to you. I'm just saying, I want a choice for me. So yes, that's self-interested, just like you are, because every day I wake up as me, and every day you wake up as you. Unless, well, what, do you not wake up as you sometimes? Because that might be a little, you might want to get that checked out. Maybe, uh, no, I'm not even going to make that joke. I was going to make a vaccine joke. I will not make that joke because I'm going to get barred. And uh, that sucks. It sucks that I can't even make certain jokes because I'm worried that the algorithms and the, the overlords, the censorship and the, the shadow banning that I've spoken about in the podcast in season six, the shadow banning could be a very real thing. And it is a real thing. I know the fact that I've spoken about this topic and that I will post something like this on Instagram or Reels or, or YouTube will come with a little caveat. Get your information here. I'm even getting information from freaking Uber Eats. Uber Eats is sending me like, here's the facts about vaccines. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is Uber Eats? Why are you sending me this shit? Like, where are, why are we getting our information from a bunch of different people? And then all of a sudden when a, a comedian says his opinion, we're blasting him and saying that Spotify is fucking, you know, full of shit and we have to do something about it. I just don't think that that's fair. I don't think it's fair that someone like Rogan is being put on blast for this. I really don't. I, I don't, uh, I just, I just, you know, look, this show is clearly informed and inspired by Rogan. I obviously admit the bias that I have, somebody who I'm a fan of, who for years has made very entertaining, very compelling, very inspiring, eye-opening, and some level of question everything like content. He has people that he doesn't agree with on. He has people who have like done all kinds of different things all to hear their perspective and create a platform where people can have open and honest discussion and bring forth their opinions. Whether they're right or wrong, it is their opinion. We're not here to judge everyone for whether they are right or wrong. You get to determine what right or wrong looks like for you. And... I think we lost our way when we started to try and paint upon all things this, this, this challenge. And I believe in Canada here, we're introducing a bill called, I think it's C-10, if I'm not mistaken. It's Bill C-10, which is about like creating, essentially creating a layer between streaming services like Netflix, YouTube, um, Disney, whatever, where the Canadian government can filter the information. What? Wait, 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 what? We're, we're now let the government determine what is fake news or not fake news? So we were worried about Facebook doing it or we were worried about social media platforms and them determining th such, but now we're going to have state-sponsored version of that? Up, upon the, so we're going to have two layers of filters now. Well, the, no, three. One, the journalist and the people who, the journalist, you know, they're boss of the journalist and, the, and then, you know, the networks kind of filter. Then two, social media platforms and their filters, and then three, the state filter? I don't know if I can trust anything I'm going to read anymore. And that's kind of scary. You know, it, we're, it feels like sometimes we're in this, we're on the verge of some 
challenging process around fake news. And I don't have an answer to this because there are, there is fake headlines. There is things that people mobilize around that are fake. And there are things that have rallied people in ways that quote unquote could be dangerous. I, you know, Pizzagate comes up to mind, right? Whether Pizzagate was real or not, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what was going on in some pizza shop in some place I've never been to. I don't know. But I think it's interesting that we would investigate conversations around topics, right? I, I think it's interesting that we can allow untruths to have some space to function or some space to be talked out because sometimes those things that were untrue or conspiracy theories were actually turned out to be true. Like that's how we uncover stuff. So to determine whether something is true or not and at what stage do you determine something is true or not is very, it's a very slippery slope. And I'm just worried that, you know, companies like Spotify who get pressured now because Rogan has a platform on them. Rogan is the fucking platform. Are you kidding me? Rogan doesn't need Spotify. People were listening to his shit before. He just needs a fucking website and everyone's going to go fucking listen to it. It doesn't matter if it's on Spotify or fucking YouTube. He's the most popular podcast on the goddamn planet. You think he needs a fucking platform and it's Spotify is helping him? Yeah, they helped him by signing him a fucking hundred plus million dollar check or whatever it was. But the point is... He has a big enough platform and he deserves to speak what he feels and his opinion. It's a gospel. And in fact, gospel is even a bad terminology because it's not that gospel is like true or scientific either, right? But it's not, but it's not science. It's not like he published some science paper and said, here's my study and this is what we should do. He's not running for office. He's not a political leader. He's not a head of, of some public organization. He's a private citizen voicing his private opinion. Yes, publicly. Yes, publicly voicing that opinion, which people choose to themselves listen to and choose to filter and, and bring whatever filter they want for themselves. So do I think that Spotify deserved all the hate specifically too? No, and they went after him with like things with like the Alex Jones thing. And like Spotify, I mean, honestly, Spotify's having a bad day. Let me bring up Spotify here. Look, look at this. We're gonna, we're gonna do a little, do a little transition. Ooh, no, a little sound. Um, I just want to show you the chart of Spotify, right? And um, I see the headlines that are pretty interesting, right? So you've obviously got these two different headlines here. Jorgen spread anti-vaccine misinformation. Spotify CEO is standing behind him. Love that. Love that they're letting him speak his voice. And obviously, he's the biggest creator on the platform, so we're going to have to back him up a little bit. Um, but Spotify reports Q1 revenue as Joe Rogan podcast exceeds expectations. Great. I saw what they were sharing as pretty fucking good. 356 million monthly active users, up 24% year over year, and 158 million subscribers. So if you look year over year, it's doing pretty good. Now, it grew a little slower compared to what the growth curve that they had in 2020 because, well, yeah, there's a reopening going on in the world, right? So you've got a, a, a different quarter than normal. You've got a lot of people paying attention around the globe. And, you know, Spotify is coming out with a whole streaming system, bringing ads to podcasts and doing subscriptions around that and taking 0% cut until 2023 from creators that are putting podcasts online. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, last episode, I mentioned that they're making a deal. There's some kind of deal going on with Facebook or I guess Facebook and Instagram and that whole suit, I guess, um, with Spotify, you know, which is going to, which is going to be great. 
we'll see, you know, how that tackles Apple and how that plays out. But what you see and how we transition into the topic of earnings reports and, you know, into a segment that I still don't have a name for. We I came up with Investor's Corner earlier. Investors I like Corner. it. I think Investor's Corner is like a decent segment. Um, financial deep dive. That's the segment we're going into. I um, I'm loving being an investor and a trader. I've been an investor and a trader for some time. I've been in the stock market basically for as long as I can remember. Um, but I've been actively doing such a little bit more in starting in 2019 um, and and kind of taking on a little bit more responsibility. Now, here is the chart of Spotify over the last week. See, so you see a little bit bump, right? Okay, we know the earnings are coming in. We know something's going to happen. There's a little bit of a bump. And then, boom, earnings come out and down. Down. Why is it down? Now, we also saw things like Google. Look at, look at the, the chart on, let's look at Tesla over the last week, right? This is opening around when Tesla reported, right? Right after, so they reported on the 26th, but boom, this is what it looked like opening. And then we've got, uh, no, not that one. Google, this is what happened. They reported yesterday, and then boom, this is what the opening looked like today for Google. Now, the reason I want to point this out is I believe um, company earnings is a phenomenal opportunity for trading, okay? Here's why. We're in a world where the news is dominating a lot of the trade, and what is happening as a trend amongst these different earnings that we're seeing is if expectations are exceeded. So if a company puts out their expectations of what the revenue might look like or their growth might look like, how many users they have, their social media platform or their Netflix or whatever it is, you know, if the earnings are beating expectations, the stock has a pop. And if they're like matching expectations or they're like doing great, like, like Microsoft, Microsoft is doing great. They do earnings. Boom. Matching expectations, a big drop. Now, volatility like that is very, very hard to predict between quarters. Like, it's, it's hard to say that, like, next Tuesday, Microsoft is going to skyrocket and go up 5%. But on an earnings call, there's definitely a swing that might happen in any given day. So today, Google went up, what, 3.16%, but it, earlier in the day, it was up, like, 4 or 5% even. Right, right when it was opening or early, very early in the trading. If you're a trader, and I say trader very specifically, not investor, but I mean trader, that's a phenomenal time to put in like a bet. And I say bet because it's kind of like gambling. You're going to gamble a little bit on whether or not you believe the expectations of the world, the street, if you want to call it Wall Street and retail investors, Right? Retail meaning everyday people who are investing for themselves, whether they'll be on Robinhood or through some trader or whatever it is. If you think the expectations are reasonable and a company is going to beat expectations, this is a phenomenal time to buy a stock. And then literally the next day, you could trade it. Like, boom, it hits. It, it's going to pop. You're going to get a 4 or 5%, whatever, 3%, whatever it is. Boom, you get the pop and you can trade. And the same could be true that it can go down. But what I like about it is those that are going to go down or here's what I suggest you do. And this is what I think I'm going to do in Q2. Um, and I still have an opportunity of doing it here in Q1 for some of the companies that are still reporting. I think Facebook and Apple are tonight and 
a bunch of other companies and stuff. It, I mean, this is like a huge, huge, huge time for, you know, reporting um, when it comes to Q1 and, and all these things is that companies all tend to report around the same time because they do the first quarter, right? You know, January to March. And then by the end of April, they have their numbers in place and then they start putting them out. And so you have a huge opportunity of just following when those numbers might be there. You can look at prior reports. You can look at what the expectations are and you can make a bet on companies. Now, how I would suggest you trade, okay? And I say trade again, difference between trading and investing is that investing is long-term thinking, right? You're, you're betting on a company that you believe in from the perspective of technology, of team, of, you know, prior performance, of, you know, what, you're, what you think is coming in the future, whether or not that things that are coming in the future are priced in or not. There's a thousand things you can look at, right? Earnings per share, freaking price earnings ratio. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things that you can look at. What I love to do is put money into stocks that are about to report, about to report, and then only pick stocks that I would want to be in medium to long-term anyway. Meaning today, or, or whatever, this week I, I own Microsoft and I would have potentially bought more Microsoft. I think it's reasonable, okay? Now, it went down on its reporting, unlike Google that went up, both of which are companies I believe in long-term. So it makes sense that right before earnings, I would buy both. And the one that goes down, I just hold. And it'll probably come back up over the next little bit to some degree. And I'm happy to have it anyway. But the one that goes up and it like pops like a couple of percentage points, I'm really starting to think that it, maybe that's a good time to like bet big, put like 10K or whatever, you know, whatever's big for you. Get 5%, pull out a good chunk. So now you can lower the risk, and you can gain little pops on days like that. You can essentially trade your way into these positions and gain from these bigger moves, this bigger volatility. And if you really want, you can add margins and do things like that. I don't know, it's getting risky. You take the risk you want to take. But I love the idea of potentially trading a little bit more intentionally. And I say trading again, very specifically, when earnings season is going on. And just picking a couple of stocks that I'm going to watch, you know, well, stocks that I normally watch well, that I maybe already have positions in, but I get to bolster that position for a very short time frame and then run out and put that back into safer investments like an ETF or other things later, right? Allowing for that growth in those ways seems like a very interesting way for me to kind of gain some ground. And even if I bet on something and it pulls back a little bit, it's not a problem. You could still remove piece of that position and you could still, or you could just hold it for a little longer. Because in many cases, these stocks do tend to rebound and do really well anyway. Specifically in the big tech names and those kinds of things, those are the ones I tend to favor. Those are the things I understand, right? Big tech is something I understand. Now, Google, I do want to talk a little bit about Google, had monster Q1 earnings. I mean, YouTube is skyrocketing in revenue. Um, I don't have all of it here, but YouTube is just killing it. And I think the main thing we have to look for in this space is Google Cloud, the cloud computing world where Amazon Prime and AWS, um, Microsoft and their cloud uh, systems and Google are the three you know, really big players in this space. There is a lot 
a lot, a lot of opportunity to be had in that. But I really want to highlight that search is growing tremendously and that the YouTube year over year growth in Q1, like literally quarter over quarter growth is phenomenal. They have a very interesting business model. And unlike Netflix, they don't pay to make their content. They have an army of creators making that content every single day and they share those revenues with the creators. And I think it's a very financially sustainable model. Now, a company that I love, Tesla, I don't understand. I don't understand what people's emotions are. Tesla posts a $438 million profit in Q1. The biggest it has on its books by far. To give you perspective, in Q1 2020, which is pre-pandemic, right? That's pre-pandemic numbers. Basically, I mean, the pandemic kind of started to hit a little bit at the end there in March, but generally pre-pandemic, they made $16 million in profit. Gives you an idea here. $438 million. Now, people started to hate on that. Why do they hate on that? Because they're like, oh, well, Tesla made money selling Bitcoin. Yes, they made money selling Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen. They made money selling Bitcoin. That's brilliant. They bought Bitcoin at an average cost of $30,000. It's what now? I don't even know what it's at right now. Let's bring it up. Let's see right here real fast, right? Right now, let's pull up Coinbase and see what it's at. I don't know what they sold made $100 million in profit on the Bitcoin that they sold. It's roughly at 54000 you know, 55000 It's floating in between those two things right now at this moment, okay? They made $100 million. They made more money buying Bitcoin than they did selling cars all of 2020 with the Bitcoin holders that they had because they, like, literally doubled it, basically. And then they sell a little. And now we're like, oh, well, is that normal operations? Well, I think it is. It was normal that they bought some because they were now accepting cash. They're accepting people buying cars in Bitcoin. So that's part of their operations. If they move money out of freaking uh, dollars to euros, is that not part of operations? So it's just another currency. They just made a good currency move. And if they did a good currency move, they have a great CFO and they have a great CEO, in my personal opinion. I'm a little biased. Then, yeah, it's part of great operations. So I'm going to bring up a chart of how uh, Tesla earns revenue. Okay? This is... Um, from a uh, newsletter that I get called Charter. They sent amazing newsletters, by the way. And if you want a newsletter, you could just hit me up. Um, you could text me or you could DM me and let me know that you want access to this newsletter. I'll share the link down below. Um, we could do that. And uh, maybe we should write a note that I should add those links. Every time I mention links, we should write these notes. That's a, not a bad idea. Um, okay. A couple of things that people hate on. Regulatory credits. Right, regulatory credits are basically green credits for the fact that they're creating um, cars that are electric. That essentially they get government tax credits for the fact that they are producing government, uh, or, you know, electric cars. And everyone says that that's not finance. That's not financially sustainable. Right, that's not a model that's going to carry them forward. Well, okay, they made five hundred eighteen million dollars in credits. But guess what? The reason they're getting these credits because they're leading the fucking space. They invented the electric car space at this point in terms of mass appeal, okay? They didn't invent electric cars, but they invented the mass appeal of electric cars in the 21st fucking motherfucking century, bro. Okay? I say, bro, you could be a lady. Bro, you get it? You get what I'm saying? $8.5 billion in revenue from cars, uh, automotive revenues, services and other, that's a growing revenue stream. Services and other, it has to do a lot with 
the repairs or things that are coming from old Teslas that are now on the road and been on the road for some time that need upgrades or maybe battery replacements, whatever, I don't know, right? Repairs and different things. And then the energy and uh, generation and storage business. Now, I think the energy generation and storage business is going to be massive. I think the domination they're going to have in the solar panel business, the domination they're going to have in, so, in uh, energy storage business and what they can provide for grid storage and like how they did that in Australia and how they're doing it in Texas, how they're doing it in all these different places is huge. Now, they had a cost of revenues of 8.2 billion, gross profit of 2.2. Then they had R&D expenses, which spent $666 million. Awesome. That's a fucking great R&D number. It's doing amazing. It's literally like a huge portion of their money going into that. Sales and general admin expenses, $1.1 billion, which is pretty low. I think it's pretty low. It's not like bad for how big Tesla is and they have multiple factories all around the globe, including in China, including in, in uh, Berlin um, and all these different places. And then they had an operating profit of $594 million, of which $101 million was made off the sale of Bitcoin. Again, they went from $16 million a year ago in profit to $438 million, and the stock goes down? Are you fucking shitting me? Now, I'm a little biased because Tesla's my biggest holding in the stock market, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not a stock financial advisor or whatever, but it goes down in the earnings? Really? They're crushing it. They're crushing it. Their revenue surged by 74%. They're selling more cars. They're literally outperforming the delivery numbers. They're doing everything right, in my opinion. Tesla is a company that is innovating the shit out of the space. And I don't give a shit if you think that they're... Bitcoin revenues are unsustainable. First of all, no, they're not. I think Bitcoin's fucking going to the moon because I'm on that HODL train, okay? H-O-D-L, if you ain't if you ain't understanding. If you ain't understand my crypto lingo, maybe you should join my text community. Link down below. I, I share some thoughts about what I think about the stock market, what I think about crypto every single day that the market is open. Now, crypto is open all the time, 24 hours, seven days a week. So I, I take the weekends off, you know, ladies and gentlemen. But when the market is open, I share my thoughts on what I'm doing, what I'm thinking about, what I'm trading um, for me, right? For me and for those who are just interested, by all means, they can take that advice if they want to see it as advice. It's not advice for legal purposes, but it is just my opinion. Kind of like Joe Rogan has his opinion. Kind of like Joe Rogan has an opinion and he just gets to share it. Anyway... Uh, if they're making money off crypto, great. They made a good move. That's fucking smart. If they're making money off of tax credits because they innovated the shit of the space and they're collecting tax credits while Ford and GM aren't, that's even better. Yes, tax credits are a thing. And guess what? With the climate change conversation, we're going to have tax credits for a very long time. You don't think we're going to have tax credits for electric cars for a, some period of time? What about tax credits for solar panels? What about tax credits for energy storage? You don't think that Tesla is going to benefit from tax credits for like the next decade? Are you crazy? That's a very sustainable revenue source. That's governments pouring money into more of what they want to see. And, and, and countries like Canada or the EU or, or all of the all around the globe, they're incentivized, they're trying to incentivize these things. They're going to cash in on those incentives. So to say that their revenue wasn't that great, they're, they're, they're shipping more cars, they're making more cars, they're shipping more cars, people are buying more cars. Fucking Elon went as far as saying Model Y is going to be the number one selling car I think it was in 2022 or 2023. He thinks by 2023, the Model Y is going to be the number one selling car on the planet, beating out Toyota, which I believe is the Toyota Corolla, right? That 
the biggest car company on the planet. He thinks they're going to sell more cars or more Model Y specifically, which is the kind of crossover, you know, the, the latest car they built, really, right? It's, it's that mid-range crossover style kind of car. Um, man, I don't understand how people don't believe this story. I, I can't even believe that this stock is still shorted the way it is. I can't believe that people are still hating on what is now the richest man in the world with one of the most successful companies on the planet that is absolutely altering everything. I don't get it. I don't get it. And with that said, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just end it there and I'll transition into the third segment, which is um, the real world clubhouse, right? The real life clubhouse and what I think a trend that I'm seeing happen uh, in the marketplace is. So last week uh, on the podcast, I really hated on Clubhouse. If you didn't see that podcast, it's because you're probably not subscribed and maybe you should hit that subscribe button. Ladies and gentlemen, switch to this camera. You could see that subscribe button. You Can you see that? That's a subliminal messaging right there for that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little blurred out, it's but they bl- can see it. I mean, okay, but look, now now you know it's a subscribe Point button. Point at it. And you can, you can, you can subscribe. Um Look, I, I hate it on, on Clubhouse um, because I just think it's going to get swallowed, chewed up and swallowed out by competitors like Facebook and Instagram. They're going to come out with their own stuff, um, you know, chat rooms and things like that. I think Reddit and Twitter are working on things. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that this app is going to get crushed in so many facets. And I think the other thing is that, you know, it's a form of content that forces you to have to be live and have to be paying attention in a very particular way. And that's just not that great. I think a lot of people are just, I don't know, I think you're going to get clubhouse fatigue and it's just going to wear off. But what I, I did. Yeah. I did hard. Yeah. Tell, actually, talk to me about that. Like, uh, so it came out and I, I was super gung-ho. I, I found a lot of value out of it. Um, but the thing is, is that because, like you said, you have to be live and present. And it's normally during the day. Normally when I'm working, I have to focus on things. You, you just can't. And anything in the evening, you know, I have other things to do. It just it wasn't fitting my schedule. Mm-hmm. Now, there, when it first started, I made great connections. And we made Absolutely. jokes that because uh, you can't text, we, you know, connected on Instagram, on LinkedIn. So yeah. we still use other platforms to connect. Yeah. But yeah, I got so fatigued, burnt out. I had to delete the app. I, I have it back because there is one room I do like to go in and it, and it is a time that I'm actually available and it's once a week, so it fits. Yeah. But I like- You can, t- you can just twist this knob here, by the way, so it'll stop perfect. twisting on you. Um, but yeah, no, sorry to interrupt your flow. But yeah, it, it's, eh, I, like you said it right. Like fatigue, burnout, like- I just can't deal with it anymore. And the notifications I get are just crazy. Yeah, there's just too many people. There's just too many people doing it. Um, yeah, I fix, fix that mic because it will, it will oh be so God. much easier if you don't have to <laughs> fuck with it every five seconds. Um, okay, so what I, what I think is happening here is obviously we're in a reopening of the world. We're getting back to a scenario where things are happening again. Early in Florida, everything's been normal. In Texas, everything's been normal. And um, I don't see a huge spike in cases. Just saying. Now, that might be because they have a lot of people got vaccinated. It might be because of lots of people are washing their hands more. Maybe it's because they're wearing masks. I don't know. Point being, world's opening back up again. And I think there's going to be a huge, huge swell of people wanting in-person connection in a whole new way. 
And I honestly believe that taking your online community and the people that you've connected with online and actually kind of start like devaluing that a little bit, putting less effort into scaling masterminds online or through Zoom and actually spending more time connecting in person and building real life clubs, right? Real life clubhouse, essentially. Invite only, very specifically highly curated and bringing people to a physical location with a lot of consistency. Right, I love to say the reason why the church worked is because it was church was every Sunday. And I'm talking about Christian church in this case, right? But the idea of very powerful consistency around community gatherings like Friday nights or, um, you know, Saturday mornings or whatever it is. Like if you can build consistency in your in-person gatherings and you can build community and you can rally people around very specific topics or very specific values, that is going to be the trend of 2021. And I think it's going to carry into 2022 and further. I really believe that one of the biggest opportunities uh, entrepreneurs and creatives and influencers out there can use is to rally people in person to build that community. Now, I'm seeing this, the impact of this and the effects of this at the farm. I'm, so for those of somehow don't know, I uh, have a farm here. I, I built it over years. It's now my ninth season building a intentional community. I use the word intentional community because it's very specifically trying to build a community of people that have very similar values. At the beginning, that was focused on like revolution of sorts, sustainability, living off the grid, saying kind of a giant fuck you to the system. Like all of that was like part of it. I would say now it's focused on healthy lifestyle, wellness. Um, it's focused to some degree on sustainability and farming and market gardening and permaculture and regenerative agriculture and all those different components. But it's also got a very core component of, to me, community. I, I say, of all the things that we grow at Valhalla, the number one thing that we grow is community and smiles. That's what we're. That's what I measure our success in, and boots on the ground, right? How many people are coming to the farm, relating to the farm, taking on projects at the farm, or just finding something that really speaks to them there? And whether that be beekeeping or planting blueberry bushes or, you know, uh, just... You know, picking up a shovel or a pickaxe or, you know, pitchfork and, and shoveling some stuff into wheelbarrows and just getting out their sweat on, or whether it just be making pizza and, and hanging out and meeting people at a farm table dinner. All of those things are things that I want to scale at our farm. And I believe that building a financial system or membership model, kind of like if you had a membership model to a gym or to a club, uh, you know, that model exists in certain cities. There are things like Soho House that I can think of, right? Like they have like multiple locations. You can go, you get a membership. And then when you travel around the globe, you can go to these, these different locations as a way of kind of finding community. And you know that based on the price point and based on to some degree the curation, there's a degree, there's like a, a, a type of person that finds itself in that community. Now, I think if you do that very specifically and you intentionally curate and you figure out what the parameters are for your community and you curate the community, very powerfully, as well as you have an application process or a trial process. And the trial is not just because you want people to like pay a month and then see if they like it so that they don't have to commit to a whole year. I'm talking about the trial from the perspective of the community where the community gets to decide whether they think this member fits or not. Actually, a try out. Both a trial for the, for the person who's joining, but also a try out for the members to see how they feel about the new person joining in 
I believe that is going to gain an enormous amount of, of, of impact. I think you're going to see a lot of like speakeasy style vibes going on because there's still going to be restrictions potentially around big groups in more socialized countries like where I live uh, in Canada. And so I think you're going to see a very good underground kind of vibe, like this kind of secret society, like without necessarily having to be a secret society or having, you know, any occult kind of symbolism or practices or any specific religious affiliation or anything like that. I just see a growing need and want to participate in something social where people have longer term formats of commitment and longer term relationships that they're building. I think people are going to value restaurants and bars less and they're going to value going to uh, specific clubs and joining specific groups more. And so I think that's a big trend. I think if you're going to build a, tw- a mastermind in 2021, I think you should consider that. If you're going to build an event, I think you should consider a ongoing event rather than just a one-off event. If you're a physical location and you're a restaurant or a bar or something, I think you need to figure out how you could do membership in a different way, how you can have exclusive nights where literally you cannot come in unless you become a member. And to become a member, you have to understand the culture of becoming a member, what that even means. And that's a part of of some form. I'm going to use the term indoctrination, but that's the right term for it. It's like, again, it doesn't have to have dogma of religion or any religious context, but indoctrinating people into the culture of your community is important. And that's important online. It's important when you're building a funnel. It's important when you're building a Facebook group. It's important when you're building a freaking engagement group on Instagram, which is a thing, by the way, if you didn't know, right? All, anyone who's maybe doesn't growth hack their own Instagrams, if you didn't know that engagement groups are a thing where people like comment and stuff, that's a thing. But building indoctrination into your community is a surefire way of actually getting people to understand and allowing that community to have a viral loop to essentially grow itself because then people understand the culture and they explain that culture to the next person, the next person, the next person. Kind of like what Clubhouse could have been, right? Like, hey, there's this place where all these really interesting tech geeks are are starting to rally and it started kind of in Silicon Valley, but now all of a sudden there's more and more people joining from all over the world and they're all tend to be like creators and entrepreneurs and really interesting people who have done like really interesting things. And then eventually it kind of got into the mass, you know, population and it kind of ruined itself in my personal opinion. Um, but I think that that is going to be something we are starving for. There's a huge appetite for, I think there's a lot of, uh, budget for that. And I think people are interested more in that than they are, um, in more traditional networking events. I think we're less interested in just like a normal cocktail thing or in, in, you know, even Quebec, we call it cinq assets, uh, which is, it means five to seven or like happy hour, essentially. Um, but the idea of more intentional gatherings, longer format, like having a dinner and then having something going on after the dinner or having like a full day or an excursion uh, and something that's happening very consistently so that even if I can't show up one week, but then I can show up the next week or have other benefits, like maybe I get access to some of your online content or maybe I get access to discounts on things or maybe I get access to um, other tiered benefits of sorts. And even tiered systems could all, or tiered, you know, levels of joining or membership can all be a thing. So I'm going to be testing this at the farm. You know, my goal is to get 50 members in our Valhalla Co-ops farm. It's basically people joining the farm, becoming a supporter, literally becoming an owner, actually, because we're actually a cooperative, meaning they become an owner of the actual farm business. And therefore, they could get 
you know, dividends and other things in the future. It's really not about that. I mean, our farm is not going to scale to the point where it's, it has extra revenue that we're paying in dividends anytime soon because we're going to be reinvesting in the soil and reinvesting in community and then hiring more people and making the membership even more cool. And so the way we're planning on doing that is building wellness around that. We're getting a hot tub and sauna, doing uh, farm table dinners. We're building a whole outdoor kitchen. We're like building and, and getting the equipment that it takes for us to uh, make people really comfortable having a great time in community in a way that's safe, COVID safe, all the stuff, blah, 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 right? But uh, most importantly, that is recurring. And so you get to see similar faces over and over and over again and build real rapport and real connection and real love. Yeah, I'll go as far as saying love between those people. And anyone that's going to scale in-person friendship in 2021, 2022, and beyond is going to do well. I mean, I, I think it's always been a thing. Like, if you can scale real friendship and camaraderie within a group, it always helps the, the value of that group, whether online or off. But I, I just think that those who are courageous enough to do it offline are going to win big. And so that's my advice for any of you, of you, any of you who are entrepreneurs or looking to capitalize or maybe add a revenue stream or trying to figure out how you can disrupt your own business or do some stuff. Membership models are a way and less so online because we're, we're valuing that less. We, we have so many memberships. We have, we're, we're going to have podcast memberships and Netflix memberships and all the memberships um, in person. Try it, scale it, do it. I'm going to do it and I'll uh, report back over time. So, uh, with that said, I'm pretty sure I've got uh, this episode wrapped up. I think, I think we're, we're good to call it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode and you made it to the end of this podcast, you know you loved it. You know I entertained you. You know I maybe taught you a thing or two or gave you some perspective. And all I can ask is that you hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell if you're on Instagram, uh, or rate the podcast, right? Like leave a comment or ask me a question. Send, some, send the podcast to somebody who you think might enjoy it. Send a clip to somebody who you think might enjoy it. Hit one of the links. Do something. Come on. Come on. I'm doing all this stuff for you. I'm spending all this energy. You know how much time and energy and money and resources and stuff that this takes from me? I really, really would really love if you showed some level of that reciprocity uh, for this podcast, for the show, and helping it grow. And with that said, I really appreciate you and your attention. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'll see you in the next episode, which should be out any moment now. Later, ladies and gentlemen.